everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Reading Party Podcast with Megan and Lexi. This episode continues our season looking at modern retellings of the Iliad and the Odyssey, ancient epics known for both brutal violence and instances of sexual assault. This episode is not suitable for under-18s. We hope you have your favourite beverage and snack ready to go, because we've got our teas and are ready to start spilling the tea on our latest ancient story. So, um, yeah, let's get into it. First episode on the Song of Achilles. Had you read this before? Yeah. No. Me neither. No. I, I didn't know what to expect coming into it. No. Because I, 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 I was like, you know, all I really had heard before was, yes, it's another the Iliad sort of retellings. Oh, but by the way, it's from Patroclus's point of view. And I was like, but how can you have, but d- he dies. So what so already knowing that i was like so how can you make a whole book or the whole book has to be i was because also i kind of assume at this point that most trojan war things start with the war so i was like which is you know the normal i feel typical way to do it and we are so we stopped at chapter 17 Mm -hmm. and they're only just leaving for troy yeah so that is a good half of the book yeah yeah and they, they're not even landed on the beaches of Troy yet. What do you think of it? Um, it was so interesting at the beginning. I, I honestly got a bit lost because, you know, you have this beautiful... Well, I'm listening to the audiobook version. But also, as I as I probably uh, have, have mentioned before somewhere along the line, the, the audiobook reader has like the most dulcet, sort of soft, quiet um, voice. And so... I definitely dozed off like three times oh, in no. like four days that I was trying to listen because it's like I started, it was going so well. I was like, ah, it's a dark, quiet room. I have time. I'll just lie back and listen to story time. And of course I fell asleep like three times. So that was fantastic. Um, so I, I did, I have to admit, I did um, get a bit confused in the beginning because I was kind of like, what is happening? But I was really pleasantly surprised by how it, it starts with Patroclus being like a young kid. You never really get to hear that part of his life. And then the fact that it starts kind of with him just sort of being sent, you know, to be with in the house of Peleus and stuff. I was like, oh, this is different. Yeah. And it's, 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 I really was interested in how the, the author starts building the relationship between Patroclus and Achilles before they've even met. Because Patroclus like sees Achilles competing in some games and is like, this is the most amazing person I've ever seen in my whole entire life. And then his father is very much, this is what a son should be. You suck. Why are you not like this boy instead? And Patroclus is like, well, fuck you all. And then he turns up at the house of Peleus because he's been banished from, from his own kingdom. And Achilles is like, not his boss, but very much his social superior. And Patroclus is just one of these, like maybe 20 fostered boys that are just like hanging out at the palace, all vying for Achilles' attention. And Patroclus is like, I hate everyone and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to sit in my corner and pretend none of you exist. But also stare bizarrely at Achilles because he's fascinating. Beautiful. I'm I'm pretty sure at some point, if I remember hearing correctly, he was described kind of as like this beautiful sort of dreamlike sort of um, like 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 he was too beautiful to to exist or whatever. Um, that's the impression I got at least, which was like he's morbidly curious about you know Achilles, cause, and then and then he has these like preconceived notions of who this is or yeah. how he's being brought up so i love the sort of um there's that one section where he was like oh we all just kind of assumed that you were you know getting classes and princely duties being a king and, and statecraft no i'm just wandering around the mountainside maybe i'll go swimming tomorrow 
yeah, there was like no direction. And then it's I a think, life we all want, really. I, I loved, honestly, the sort of like the first meaningful interaction really was the whole uh, liar lesson, right? Where uh, Patrick was like, yeah, I don't. He's like, I mean, I mean, you know, I don't really play. My mom's a liar. But, you know, he's kind of like, you know, you could lie because I don't want to get in trouble and say that we were there together. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and then you're like. And it's kind of like that's almost the accidental way that their relationship starts. Mm. And it was it was so casual and so interesting because, you know, Mm-hmm. If you know the story, you know what's coming next. You know how close these two people are. Yeah. And just seeing them thrown together almost by chance, because Achilles has been, well, he's not been sent, but he's gone to find Patroclus because Patroclus is in hot water, let's say, because he's not been showing up to his lessons. And Achilles is like, why aren't you showing up to lessons? Everyone's really mad with you. My father wants to see you. And, and Patroclus is like, we could just say I was with you. And Achilles is like, hmm, interesting, lying, not not my thing. And so they go to their their music class together, so it won't be a lie. And it's like, on the back of that, Patroclus' stuff is moved into Achilles' rooms, and they're, like, bestest buds. And then they were roommates. That's where the the, the rumor started. The friendliest of roommates. Exactly. That's how it starts. Because doesn't that happen when they're, like, 15? They move in when they're, I think, yeah, 14 or 15, and it's kind of awkward and tense, and Patroclus doesn't... He's like super jealous of Achilles, who is, I mean, son of a goddess, absolutely blessed, stunningly handsome, has a father who loves and respects him, has the adoration of all of the, the kingdom, and Patroclus is like, no one loves me, my father hates me, and I've been sent away from my home, and you have everything and I have nothing. Um, so there's this weird tension, and he expects, I feel like he expects Achilles to be this really arrogant, unpleasant person. And then Achilles is, I wouldn't say humble, but he's hes not arrogant. He's a pleasant kid and but he's not mean to Patroclus. So this, he kind of starts thawing a little bit and then... I like that decision too, to make him not the arrogant sort of um, peacock that everyone assumes. He, because I know, you know usually he kind of just turns into the preener, right? So by the time that, you know, he's in the war and then he's all pouty because someone took his stuff, essentially. Yeah, I think everything that we come into thinking, oh, yeah, so if he's like this as an adult, he must have been like that as a kid, very entitled. I mean, he has every, all the building blocks to grow up perfectly entitled and you would have a perfect excuse. Oh, I'm the son of a goddess. I knew I was dipped into the river sticks, blah, 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 blah. I'm invincible. I'm the greatest warrior. So I, I'd love the choice to have a young Achilles even say sometimes, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be the best warrior of my generation, which is why no one can see me fight, by the way. And you're like, matter of fact, excuse you <laughs> you're just like statement of fact okay like I-, I was expecting this to be in a very braggadocious way and then the fact that he's almost like sheepishly kind of just like well it's not like bragging to say a statement of fact of truth right and and, and he's like you know not super confident about it i was like oh oh this is different like this might be the first time where i don't just sort of inherently hate or am bothered by achilles mm-hmm and that was a bit shocking to me because I'm like, wait, I don't automatically just go into, ugh, I hate him. What? what? He comes across as just like a sweet kid who happens to be good at stuff. He, he seems really nice. I like, I would be, I would be happy with one of my kids bringing him home. That, that would be okay with me. Okay. Okay. That's good. Hey, that's positive because in no other context would you ever be like, I'm going to just entrust my children with this person. And no. What did you think of Thetis? I found her characterization quite interesting because usually she's not really given much of a role in any context. And if you do have her, she's kind of this faraway personage who's, you know, either sometimes you're like, oh, she loves her son and she's begging him, do whatever you can to like stay home and have a wife and children. Don't go to the war. I don't want to see you die young. And in some interpretations, I've seen her be like, pushing for him to go like yes my son this is your destiny you must be famous so i found it very interesting also i found it very interesting because she doesn't like patroclus which oh she hates him right so it's like you know to, to go from whatever role she does occupy and usually only in the context of achilles i was very curious to see the relationship unfold 
between two characters you just wouldn't really think interact and so for her to actually hate him when I'm like but but it's her beloved son so shouldn't she be supportive of her son's male companion look it's not some look i hate to say it but like in a time where like women were kind of just like shunted to the side because you're either property or, or 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 whatever you know i feel like standard for that time period would have been like look if it was some like frivolous girl i could see the the mother like hating on her and be like she's not right for you and whatever context or she could just hate the girl mm-hmm. but like to see someone in a time where people are usually very accepting of like male friends and male companionship that that bro thing <laughs> i was quite shocked i don't know like what do you think about Thetis and Patroclus? I thought it was it was really interesting, and I think it re- worked really well with how Thetis is generally characterized through the book. She's she's a scary goddess. She's not like the pleasant, airy robes and lights and fairies kind of goddess that you see in some other um, adaptations. She, I feel like she's much more in line with the wrath goddess things, mm-hmm. um, deity depictions but her whole thing seems to be that she wants achilles to be a god so that like he'll live forever and and she'll never lose him and like she like maybe we'll get over some of this it's described quite interestingly in like his his conception and and her relationship with achilles father like who is by all accounts a perfectly lovely man and it described as someone that any mortal woman would be very happy to be married to and Thetis is just furious because he's mortal he can never be good enough for her because he's immortal and having that kind of taint in her son's blood of mortality it clearly bothers her and she's clearly working to somehow get him into like full godhood status so having Achilles developing this very strong emotional bond and tie to another mortal I mean you've not only got the like the bigotry, like anti-mortal bias. It's a bizarre statement. Yeah, can we just appreciate how weird that just sounded? But okay, continue. She is predisposed to not like Patroclus just because he's mortal, but additionally because it gives Achilles a solid concrete tie to the mortal world that may in the future stop him attaining the godhood that she thinks he deserves. And it, I found it really interesting that the whole reason Achilles, she sends Achilles off for his like hero training is because he and Patroclus nearly kissed and because she's like, because she can see everything. She's a, she's a goddess. That's what they do. And she's like, I have to separate these two before this relationship gets any stronger because it it will stop Achilles becoming a god at some point and then Patroclus completely foils her because he follows Achilles up the mountain um which is super sweet terribly romantic and then they have this two-year stint learning really whatever they want to learn they learn how to be surgeons and like gathering honey and fishing and woodworking and it honestly sounds like my ideal vacation (laughs) so but I really enjoyed that section of the book um, and no, I think Thetis is a very interesting character. Yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of glad that she plays a role because I know, honestly, usually, I don't know. I just, I get really excited, I think, more excited when we have sort of obscure characters who pop up and get a, a big role when you wouldn't traditionally think of them as having one. So so I, I already enjoy it because she has such a role. Also, it was interesting because as I was reading this, uh, I don't know, mortal discrimination. I have no idea. I, I don't even know what I'm saying. Mortal discrimination. It's definitely not equal rights. <laughs> no, whatever whatever it is, I, we see we don't have a word for it because we're just like unaccustomed <laughs> to saying these things. But this, this mortal, so it's, it's interesting to see it because on the one hand, I can see how I suppose, obviously we haven't finished the book, so I don't know beyond what we've read, but... Mm. like okay it kind of works for the narrative and what they're doing in in the book but it's interesting because i was thinking the whole time yeah but it also kind of bites a little too close for me personally into the whole trope of like how many things do we see where it's like mortality is bad so this is like the one thing that can never happen and so it, it, it's kind of it, it it's just like the the superiority thing that comes back where it's like god is good gods are good uh mortal is bad being mortal or being human is a is a is a weakness uh that like 
is a flaw in a character. And like, I get it. It's the Greek, you know, myth. So that, of course, that, that comes into it. But um, I was a little, just just a little, not bothered, but, you know, I was a little annoyed when I was like, oh, we're going back into the, okay, humanity is weakness thing. I, I do see where you're, what you're saying with that. I felt like it was nuanced quite nicely by Chiron. That's true. No, he like he makes it a lot better, so it's not black and white. But I still kind of wish that it had maybe tried to veer in a different way. Like like, it's hard because you you run the risk of falling into so many tropes, especially when you have like a romance. But like, I guess I was kind of hoping it would just go into something else. Like, uh, maybe she hates Patroclus not because he's mortal, but because if you're supposed to be a god you shouldn't fear losing someone and so it's, and it's not because it's he's mortal and maybe she was threatened because he's in in love with achilles so it's kind of like you know you should never try to hold on to something that you're assured to lose kind of idea I, to me i think that might have been a bit more of an easy sell i'm, I'm not sure though because it depends you could write that really terribly as well but um i guess just humanity being a weakness for humanity's sake like as someone you know who's kind of grown up with like learning disabilities and adhd and a billion anxiety disorders i'm kind of like okay but like that runs kind of like counter to you know growing up with people being like oh no you just you're afflicted by all these things that make humanity a weakness and you're like ah, okay all right i i get it like we can overcome you know humans yeah they're kind of like fallible and you know flimsy little things but um like like our humanity isn't always a drag so that's the only disappointment i think i had. and it's not even like i'm super disappointed it's just like the story's fine. I'm enjoying it. It's just something like you noted. But it's something that I noticed that I was kind of like, oh, okay, we're going with this trope again. But that's maybe me being a little too critical. I, I don't know. No, I think, it's, I think it's a valid criticism. One thing I did really like about Thetis, mm -hmm. and it feels really shallow to say it, how she's described physically. Mm. She's not a beautiful seed nymph mermaid type person. She's terrifying and has the voice of what waves crashing on the rocks in a storm and everyone is terrified of her you know what? and she <laughs> just she sounds awesome i i just no, i like, liked that the image i got when they were describing her it's so hilarious and maybe it's because i was influenced by watching other things the ghostly galadriel <laughs> yes yes evil gladriel like like yeah. you were describing her and i was like oh my god it's evil galadriel so i had that image of her from the movie in my I head think that works that works very nicely although obviously the voice is different because the way that evil galadriel's voice is she just gets a lot deeper and over here you know so i'm like okay that's different but um yeah <laughs> yeah perfect so we have evil mermaid galadriel evil evil mermaid like galadriel with to me, I imagined her as being like one of those, she has like an evil laugh that sounds kind of like breaking glass. Yeah. I don't know why my brain does this, but like it definitely looks for parallels to like random other things. And I was like, this is wonderful. I love this a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So once I go up the mountain though, and they do have their sort of, shall we call it their sabbatical? Like, well, like what do we call this? Yeah. I think sabbatical works. Like. Mm. Prince training, god training, Prince sabbatical training. period. Like, it's the best research time. Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't know. What did you like most about that? Or did you just like the whole thing? I liked all of it, to be honest. I really enjoyed the imagery of them, like, running around the forest and diving into rivers and generally having fun. Mm -hmm. Because what's been described up till that point is Patroclus' deeply un unhappy childhood. And then a time in Achilles' kingdom, which is freer, but still very much surrounded by people, surrounded by responsibilities. And he, Patroclus, is not liked mm -hmm. by the other, especially the other, like, princelings in the castle. because So he's, he's been sent there because he killed someone. He killed another boy, he shoved him. It was an accident, he fell over, cracked his head open. And then rather than being executed i guess he was sent away so all of the other people in the palace know this they think he's like cursed he's bad luck so they have no interest in actually 
forming any kind of friendship or relationship with him. So Achilles is literally all he has. And it feels, the way it's described is kind of claustrophobic because he, you feel like he's constantly waiting for someone to um, berate him or tell him that there's been a mistake and he's not supposed to be Achilles' companion. So when they go to the mountain, it's 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 them. And like they relax, they both relax. And it it just, it reads really nicely. It's fun and it's pleasant. Um, and you have kind of little interruptions where Thetis turns up and Patroclus is convinced she will kill him. So he stays well, and I mean, I, I don't think he's wrong. I think if she thought she could get away with it, she probably would kill him. Mm -hmm. um, so he stays away and then he gets special birthday gifts for Achilles on his birthday. He goes out and collects the first figs of the spring. And I'm like, this is the most adorable juvenile love story I've ever read. It's wonderful. And Patroclus is like, he feels all these feelings and he doesn't know what they are and he doesn't think Achilles reciprocates and, and he doesn't know if it's like romantic, but all he knows is he doesn't ever want to be separated from Achilles. So he can't say anything because if Achilles doesn't reciprocate, then he'll be sent away. And then Achilles, like on the night of his birthday, they Achilles is like, I think we'll turn in early. Come on, Patroclus. And they go back to the cavern and you're like, okay, then here we go. And Patroclus is super surprised when Achilles makes a move and it's just adorable and they're so happy and then of course they have to go back and you're like well shit now there's a war and these two have literally just had the most beautiful love story and like you know they're both dying mm -hmm. and it's it was a little bit heartbreaking and we're not even as far as the war yet yeah no I know I was like I've never seen the romance really portrayed as this like puppy love type of it was cute it was thing. really cute i know that's usually not the word i would describe the either of the men or their romance but i'm just like oh my god it's like puppy love i mean i was like oh my god it, it could be <gasps> i was thinking could nicholas sparks make this into like a movie i want a nicholas sparks movie about it i think so and like Obviously, we know it's going to be a tragic ending, so it's fine. We could have like a notebook situation, just a little fantasized. You can, where... you can enjoy the lovely part while it's there. Exactly. And then, you know, they die together. <laughs> uh, maybe not quite, you know, hand-holding in the bed. Why did we choose to start our podcast with one of the more depressing stories the Iliad is like, there are so many depressing parts and we're like, yes, this is the best way to start a brand new podcast. This will reel in the, the listeners. Perfect. Genius suggestion. Well done. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. There's, there's, they, they'll, they'll, they'll understand our genius or our madness, which is you start with the most depressing because there's only room to go but up. You can we, only we go think. up. <laughs> but also it made sense. We really wanted to read Wrath Goddess. This is true. So we didn't I'm, want I'm very glad we did because exactly. depressing parts included. I am enjoying this very much. Yes. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, it kind of also made sense because, I mean, it's like the most universally well-known of the ancient Greek yeah. myth stories. Like, I mean, maybe people, people would say the Odyssey, but like, I feel like the Iliad is pretty much the most well -known. I think the Iliad's had more attention in terms of popular media. Yeah, because there's like a billion Iliad uh, adaptations on film and TV, and there's like three for the Odyssey, and they're like terrible. So I was like, mm, okay. Um, but no, it's great. I mean, you know, it sets a... Well, also, then there's the argument where we started chronologically, because it's the oldest. Uh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Know. Although, no, actually, no. If we wanted to say the oldest, we would start with like ancient Egypt, Mesopotamia. Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. We need to find some Gilgamesh adaptations. I know. I want someone to do something really interesting with yeah. Gilgamesh. It's kind of a travesty that they haven't. Um, or maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. I'm not sure. There's there's at least one coming. I've been oh, waiting please. for it for a couple of years. Please. So, we'll get there. We'll get there. Anyway. Anyway. Yes. Song of Achilles. <laughs> so, yeah. No. Um, as I was saying, I want Nicholas Sparks to do something with this puppy love romance, you know. But, yeah. So, we haven't really gotten to the war. But... I found it interesting. So when we did get to finally, they announced that there is a war going on. And, you know, you get this all, um, you know, dun, dun, dun. Like, guess what, guys? There's a war. The sons of Atreus are calling for aid because 
And it was really interesting how in this adaptation, they say quite clearly that Helen, Menelaus's wife, has been abducted. She has been kidnapped. And he had, you know, worked so hard to build a fortress to keep her safe and this, that, and the other thing. And then she was stolen by Paris. Mm -hmm. um, and as per one of our previous episode conversations, uh, it was so interesting to see how, uh, I think, is this the first adaptation that we've done that truly says that she's been like kidnapped because i feel like everything else she just kind of went you know with wrath goddess we're told she's been kidnapped but then it's made very clear that she's kind of ambivalent about the whole situation which is probably why um, i don't count but, it because i'm like she doesn't care. yeah yeah menelaus says she's been kidnapped but then it's like eh, yeah not really because she's very much the strongest will claim me and like mm. i i don't I don't know about them. But no, I I think I think you're right. I think with all of the other adaptations she's gone willingly in some way or another. Yeah. So, yeah. Um yeah, I, I as I was saying sometime in the past, I don't even remember when, but uh I find it really interesting because you know, we grow up hearing it two different ways and it's kind of like does one add to the story more than the other? And so mm -hmm for the first half that we've read do you feel that it adds more or less or does it change it at all or not really to have her be kidnapped in this version so far i don't think it changes an awful lot and i think that's because the focus is on achilles and patroclus and while patroclus is one of the the scenes you get early on is patroclus going to um kind of throw his hat in the ring for Helen's hand. He doesn't know that that's what he's doing because he's like nine, but his father takes him and like makes him make a bid for, for Helen. So he's obviously included in the, um, all of Helen's suitors will go and retrieve her should she be removed from Menelaus. I, it doesn't change an awful lot for me, I guess is, is what I'm saying, because we're looking at the relationship between Achilles and Patroclus, and I, I think going forward, what the war does to that relationship. Um, so I, I, I don't think that the means by which Helen was stolen, taken, abducted, or if she walked out willingly, I'm not sure that that really makes much of a difference. How about you? Uh, again, too early to tell. I mean, I find it, I think... So far, since we haven't completed the book, I can't really say in the end, but um, I would say, I don't know how much it would change, but maybe depending on how you look at it, it would minorly influence the way we look at, uh, like, why these guys went to war. Because it's like, the, they clearly are like, they're happy, they're doing their sabbatical, they're just living life, having this, you know, puppy love romance, and they're like, war! Um... And I guess sometimes I'm like, well, if I was looking at it like, you know, I was one of the boys. And then, look, if it's like a woman was clearly stolen and it is an insult to the Greeks and we're Greek and we need to go defend the honor, you know, then I'd be like, okay, I understand being taken away from my sabbatical and I'll just, you know, bring my roommate with me. But like, I guess, you know, if they had her leave willingly, I guess I would be a little more skeptical because then from the boys' perspective, you know, they'd be like, so we're being interrupted from our sweet romance and our sabbatical to what? Go chase after a woman who just like wanted to leave her husband. Like, why does that, why should that mm -hmm. involve me? Mm -hmm. So I guess to me that that would only minorly affect them like going. We kind of did get a little bit of that though. Isn't Achilles kind of resistance? Yes, he is. To the idea of going to begin with. And then and then Thetis says, well, if you don't go, then you live out your life in quiet. Like anonymity almost. Yeah. And yeah, no, anonymity is perfect. But if you go, then you, uh, well, you die, but you die a hero and everyone remembers your name. I mean, and yeah, like, um, yeah, he is resistant. But like, to me, I guess, or my brain at least made it so that like 
I think you'd be resistant to go to war anyway, especially when you know it's over someone's wife who's not your own. But, like, I guess it's one thing if it's, like, no, she was stolen and it really is, like, I know you're hesitant, but come on, we have to win back honor for the Greek people to show we're not just easily conquered. But, like, I feel like he might have had cause to be more resistant if she'd willingly gone because then he'd be like i already didn't want to go but it's like if it's not even insult to like all of greece really if she like wanted to leave then like why should i really have to go so i guess yeah i guess maybe it just minorly affects like how much and how far he could have resisted or had reason to resist I don't know. It's kind of like those old, like, damsel in distress type of, uh, if you know she's a damsel and she's actually in distress and you have to, like, go save her, or you think she's a damsel in distress and when she's like, nah, I don't want you to save me, you're like, oh, well, fuck. <laughs> I'm good. Thanks, bud. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, well, fuck. You know, it was kind of like Disney's Hercules, you know, where, where there's that great scene where Hercules just shows up and Meg is, you know, like, in the, the paws of the centaur and he's just like, aren't you a damsel in distress? And she's like, uh, am I a damsel? Yes. In distress? Not so much. Thanks. Have a nice day. You know, and you're like, okay, um, bye. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Maybe it wouldn't have affected anything, but I guess that's just kind of where my mind had wandered uh, when mm -hmm. I initially was, was going over that part. So, um, yeah. What did you think of, of Achilles' sojourn in Skiros? <laughs> because that's where wrath goddess starts it was hard for me to separate what you know listening to this part and not thinking of wrath goddess so mm -hmm. quite honestly i had wrath goddess on my mind so it was uh, a bit difficult to like accurately judge or separate them because obviously they're different but you've got you've got the alternative story kind of in the yeah back of so i don't want to say it like overshadowed it but at the same time i liked achilles sojourn on skiros in wrath goddess better i think which is maybe why i let it sort of creep into my mind i, I don't know did were you able to sort of take a, a impartial look at this or did you also have wrath goddess just stuck in your head no i mean i i think you can't help but make comparisons but i i think because you're right they're very different achilles in Wrath Goddess is there because she wants to be there. This is where she's comfortable. She's kind of building a life for herself among a community. And in contrast, um, Song of Achilles, he's essentially been abducted by his mother, married off against his will to a princess, forced to consummate a marriage that he is not interested in. And it's not explicitly stated, but I kind of got the feeling from what the characters did say that Achilles is probably not attracted to women because he he does say, look, I didn't enjoy myself when Patroclus questions what the hell is going on because eventually Patroclus finds them, he turns up. And it's a great scene because the princess, I can never remember her name, uh, Didiamana, am I saying maybe? Didamia? No, fuck. Didamia, there we go. But Didamia like welcomes Patroclus who gives a, a fake name and they're sitting in the banqueting hall and Didamana is like, have you heard of the, like, my women? And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, sweetheart. So she brings in all of these dancing girls and there's like a mysteriously tall woman who dances with the princess and and the princess is very taken with her and and then they kind of turn to face the their banqueting hall and, and take their bows and patroclus locks eyes with this mysterious tall woman and it's achilles and he like achilles is described as essentially bolting out of line and throwing himself at patroclus so clearly he's not there because he wants to be there and it causes all of this like drama and anxiety and stress because the princess is pregnant and her father didn't know she was even married and now there's this kind of married very pregnant princess with a husband who has zero interest in her and like so achilles is continuing to live as a woman on the island so that he's not taken back for the war and patroclus is there as his husband and it's it's a little complicated but it's quite a lot of fun and a little tragic because you you kind of have to feel bad for the princess who has like this baby and at the end of of that section of the book she's sent away to start her seclusion before anyone notices that she's pregnant and it's it's a little tragic because you know that she doesn't really have a husband achilles will be named as the father and as her husband to like not shame her horribly but she's never going to see him again and she she knows that he doesn't love her and she knows he doesn't want her and she is clearly very hurt by that 
and kind of takes out on Patroclus a little bit. But I enjoyed it. It was it was sad and funny in places, but I, I did enjoy it. And I did I liked the contrast to Wrath Goddess okay. as well. Just because of how different it was. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It, it's a very different situation. The characterizations were very different. Achilles in Song of Achilles is he's more fun. I think so too. Playful even. Yeah, playful is a really good yeah. word. Achilles in Wrath Goddess is just all business. Awesome. But yeah, very much I will protect the people I love and I'm going to fix all of the problems in the world. And Achilles in Song of Achilles <laughs> is I'm going to play my lyre and run around the hills with my best friend slash roommate. Yes. I guess maybe that is part of why I like the characterization of the Timon Skiros in Wrath Goddess better, just because Achilles was happy. Achilles, she she was, you know, she, she'd found her peace, her place, and it was, for the most part, it was all good. And then she chose to leave, and she was like, okay, this is fine, we're, we're good. I just felt so bad, you know, for the princess. I mean, forced marriage is obviously, like, they happen a lot in history. Yeah. But, like, he didn't want it. She was sad. Again, to me, it, fall, it fell a little into the tropey arena of, like, the unrequited love thing, which we've seen before mm. i know you have to add some drama to the you can't have achilles and patroclus just have smooth sailing the whole way and i get that did it feel like an unnecessary roadblock it, it did i'm not against putting up roadblocks to their relationship i'm just against that particular one because we've seen it so many times i hate to be the one to be like trope 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 a few of them and if they're subtle, minor things, okay, whatever. But, like, if you put a couple, but, like, they're big, I'm just going to be, like, it's 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 ruining mm -hmm. it just a little because it's veering too much off into this is a meal we've seen before. It's just packaged differently. Mm -hmm. I can tell so far. It's not enough that it's, like, ruining the experience. Do you think, based on that, how difficult do you think it is to do a retelling of a story like this? that is so well known and it like does itself contain some tropes without falling into that trap i think it's extraordinarily difficult which is why i'm avoiding being super critical to any of the adaptations because i'm like i understand it is hard i understand this it includes some tropes but like let's be real since this is one of the earliest forms of really like storytelling this is probably the thing that invented the tropes that we just copy so much so there's also the leeway i'm giving it which is Okay, this is probably one of the original things that invented a lot of the tropes. But I think that maybe I'm influenced because my brother-in-law is like a movie critic and I've I've heard him break down and talk about how movies either succeed or fall into the cheesy category. Maybe maybe it's because I've been influenced mm -hmm. by hearing him so much, but I definitely agree. I think there there's like a more delicate way of approaching these things and and trying to make them not seem as tropey there's the a small lane for like true sort of originality because there's also like you can choose do you want to go like close to the actual material and like try to have it happen exactly what happens or if you're doing a retelling but it's fictionalized you do have the space to incorporate your own completely different stuff and i think mm -hmm people are always going to get more in trouble if they try to just retell the, the original myths themselves. I think I appreciate more originality, which is, I think, why I liked Wrath Goddess, because it avoided a lot. Like, come on, Transformer Kirby? That shit ain't in myth, okay? Like, that was nowhere in any myth. That was completely original, and I was like, I'm so here for it. Um, and then, you know, the fact that you have Helen be, like, some evil sorceress woman, I was like, okay, that's original. And having... Brzeos be a trans man and having you know Mariapi be included and have that be the reason that Achilles doesn't fight I'm like oh yeah yeah you're not you're not just retail I mean it's like based on this but like clearly different but this to me just feels like it's trying a little too hard to to follow the lines of the actual myths I feel like it's still enjoyable I think I just would have appreciated you know if you're gonna go with it in this direction still have Achilles go to Skiros do something like really fucking weird is kind of what I'm where I'm at I'm like come on just do something that like no one is expecting but you know again the way it's written it's okay now you're forced into a marriage you didn't want and now it's unrequited love and she's sad but of course you know it's the only thing that i kind of appreciate is that if i'm 
you know, with the child at least. I mean, you know that Achilles does have a son, Neoptolemus, um, mm-hmm. and this child is at the end of you know the war at least, like grown up. So I'm kind of like, okay, well, this would be an interesting way to have Neoptolemus described as coming into being because usually they just kind of skip that and they either say he doesn't have a son or or he's mentioned but never about how was he like conceived so you know that could that could kind of save it just because i'm like okay well that does introduce neoptolemus in a way where a lot they just don't um so that marks it out as different enough but no i i think um it's just suffering from trying to hew too close to the source material without being different enough is, is kind of what i'm discovering a little but again it's still an entertaining story i would enjoy the iliad and retellings of it in any context just because i'm familiar and i and i like it that's my little um my little mini rant on on uh, the kinds of things that i prefer I, I don't know what about you the tropes don't bother me so much they used to they definitely used to just generally speaking i i, mean, I think I've mentioned before I, I used to be completely unable to watch mythological adaptations or read them because it was it was annoying. I think they bother me less now. I'm not entirely sure why. I think I think part of it because if they are aggressively obvious, I try and like take a step back and work out what it's doing. With Song of Achilles, I'm honestly not finding them that intrusive. The thing that is bothering you is making it more enjoyable for me because a lot of this stuff is kind of expected. It's not Wrath Goddess, it's not a completely innovative take on a story that we already know. It is just a very nicely written retelling of the story from an angle that I don't think a lot of people have considered before. So I think maybe that's that's what I'm enjoying about it. I know what's going to happen. There probably are not going to be a lot of surprises in the plot as a whole but i'm finding the development of the relationship between patroclus and achilles and having this really close lens on it is is giving me enough innovation and enough novelty that the tropes aren't actually bothering me very much no it makes sense it makes sense i mean i definitely know a lot of people who wouldn't be bothered by this at all i mean i do like how it's definitely told from patroclus's point of view it is different so you just yeah you're getting a very different perspective on characters that we know from different perspectives when thinking about it just last night i was kind of thinking to myself well if this were like titanic right where we all know what's going to happen we know the ending but instead of telling it from the perspective of jack and rose what if you told it from the perspective of her fiance cal or if you told it from the perspective of her mother or, or like someone else then i was kind of like okay well would i still watch it would i feel, still find it as tropey quote-unquote and and my answer was i i really don't know because again it would depend on how it's made so i'm definitely giving it a wide berth where definitely still enjoying it i just wish that i didn't notice the tropes at all so if if anything you know i I, maybe i'm making it sound like you know i get pissed and then i i kind of scream no every time that i you know recognize a trope but no no usually um you know when i'm listening to it, it it'll occupy maybe five seconds of my brain which is ah okay well this is kind of tropey and moving on so you know so it's like i guess i um i noticed them and for the purposes of sort of the podcast and sort of going through and analyzing what we like or don't like about something that's probably why i'm bringing it up because i think if if we weren't like podcasting about it i'd probably read the thing think it's tropey and then be like okay it was fun you know, some tropes, but it's it's fun. The same author wrote a book on Circe. I think you will enjoy that far more because it is it doesn't rely so heavily. I mean, we don't have an awful lot on Circe, right? So there's not so much to like hang on to. And I think this is something that has come up before when we've talked about about other adaptations. Where there is more silence in the ancient record, it gives authors and it gives filmmakers more room to be creative and i think that's probably what is happening here there is so much in the source material that it's we just said it it's difficult to be innovative but when when we get to circe you'll see same author doing actually some really 
really creative storytelling. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure. I mean, people said such great things about Cersei, and I've been really excited to read that. So when we eventually get to it, yes, I'll be super excited. But I don't know. I guess that's kind of like the age-old thing that I struggle with, right? Where it's like I want to intake and I want to see materials based on these very well-known stories because I'm always like, yeah, I want to know, I want to see. But also, there is less room to do because you have so much. So then that's kind of like the problem with, you know, when watching like the Troy movie, right? Where you're like, oh, I know so much. And then you see it and you're like, but it's wrong or I don't like this. But then you're also like, but I want to like it, be entertained by it. So it's funny because in thinking about that, my favorite movie in the world is uh the the russell crow gladiator and you know it's not at all historical i mean the fact that you have marcus aurelius being murdered by commodus and stuff you're just like okay and then like lol commodus dying in the arena like what so um you know like we we have that historical sort of sort of setting um but i think maybe a reason i do really like it is because they took characters from history but then you they did something completely on their own and i was like i really like this so just just like thinking about like the movies i appreciate best and stuff i was like okay it it makes sense why i probably would or wouldn't enjoy something as much so i don't know it's tropey but you know what it is there are good things about the tropes what are your predictions for the rest of the book given that our narrator is going to die relatively soon yeah i i'm curious how you fit into the other half of a book all that happens after you arrive in troy because again as we've talked mm -hmm. about playing around with timelines this war is like 10 years long now achilles dies in like year nine and a half let's say and patroclus dies before that that only shaves six months off <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly so i was like um i'm curious to see because you know we've all seen and heard of it if you're familiar with the story but briseis playing a, a, a role because if in this adaptation it's described that you know achilles doesn't really seem like he's into women because you have something so famous like achilles and briseis I'm quite interested to see, like, will Achilles sort of see Briseis and be like, oh, okay, well, I guess mm. I'm into you. Or, oh, I hope there's some kind of dialogue where Patroclus is like, yo, my dude, I know you're super into me, but, like, there's this, like, chicky here, Briseis, so, like, are you into her? Like, like I want them to have some, like, bro talk about, like, whether yeah. they're, like, he's into her. And then, um, you know, some adaptations have gone bold and done, like, threesomes with them. Please, please, please have a threesome. Um, why? Why? The, ugh, mind out of the gutter. But um, I'm just like, that would be kind of interesting. And I guess one thing that I was always really intrigued me is once Achilles starts pouting, I want to know what Patroclus's inner thoughts are for, you know, either convincing or not convincing him to fight. You know, oh, okay, maybe do I take, does he take his side because he just loves him and he's like, okay, yes. Or will he be confused because he's like, you're mad because it's a woman and blah, blah, blah. So I think just the entire Patroclus reaction to like, I'm going to just sit here and pout when clearly in other accounts, we have Patroclus being like, this isn't right. We can't sit on our asses. We need to go help our countrymen. So I think that's what I'm most excited for. And then I guess I'll just slip in that I wonder if it's going to go into like a whole monologue of thoughts when Patroclus basically faces Hector and is about to get killed. Um, what about you? I think I think same, mostly because I I don't see how the Achilles we've been given turns into the pouting Achilles we expect. So I don't know if there's going to be something interesting there with either like a change in character or if the whole reasoning behind the refusal to fight is going to be different. So I'm I'm interested to see what happens with that. I'm interested to see if the squabble over Briseis is uh, based on a sexual thing or if it's based on a status you're disrespecting me by taking my prize away because I think most of the adaptations have gone in the direction of taking my prize rather than the sex but again Achilles in this adaptation doesn't seem to have the concern over his status as much as some other Achilles do yeah 
That's true. No, the power of storytelling. I mean, you start us young, you get puppy love, and then suddenly you're like, ah, okay. I don't see how he can get from this to this. And you're like, um, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I don't know. I... Do you think that there might be some sort of monologue even after Patroclus technically dies? Maybe like a Patroclus from the other side, like like almost epilogues it. I th- I think there would need to be an epilogue, and I I think changing narrators and keeping going with the story would be odd. Mm. So I yeah I can see like Patroclus's afterthoughts or or something similar, or maybe having just like a third person description of what happens rather than switching narrator i don't yeah i don't think that it would be right tonally to switch narrators but but because i'm like you know this is greek mythology so anything happens i mean we see dead heroes in the underworld all the time some kind of like to me i guess it wouldn't be super weird to be like this is you know patroclus observing from the underworld just or you know you could skip a bit and then after achilles dies and then he have them reunited. That would be nice. Uh, yeah. So maybe we get like a little scene in the in, in the underworld where they're like, oh, well, we're both dead. But hey, we're together now for like eternity here mm-hmm. in the afterlife. Woo. I don't know. Yeah, I think I just I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of like epilogue situation there is. And yeah, I'm just I'm curious to see how it ends. I mean, I know it's called Song of Achilles, which I find it's cool but it's also a little hilarious then that it's called song of achilles but it's told by patroclus but then patroclus has to die first so patroclus cannot compose a song to achilles or about achilles so i'm just like what how does this i don't like help like did you find that a bit interesting how it's called song of achilles and then it's like yeah but um our narrator dies first not massively because i think there's obviously some artistic liberty being taken there but now that you mention it yes that is a little amusing I don't know why my brain just picks out like the weirdest small details. I find it quite amusing to myself. I'm like, why did I? What? But I, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, cool. But yeah, so uh, tune in next week for part two, uh, where we will conclude our uh, review of Song of Achilles. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review. And you can also follow us on social media at The Reading Party Podcast. If you'd like to leave us a book or movie suggestion, then email us at thereadingpartypod at gmail.com. See you next week. Mm-hmm.